Welcome into Loho Daily. I'm glad that you're here. I'm Lawrence Holmes, a.k.a. Loho. Ordinarily, with this podcast, we usually do stuff that's kind of off the beaten path. We do things that are a little bit different, stuff that I wouldn't get to on the radio show. A lot of times I like to have kind of long-form discussions about them here on the podcast. But I also, since the podcast is only a month old, it gives me an opportunity to experiment a little bit. And I wanted to experiment with publishing a pod on Sunday and making it something that clearly that that people that listen to the radio show in Chicago care about, which is the Bears draft. Now, I, at some point, I'll do a an, an entire NFL draft podcast, but I thought that I'd stick close to home on this one and talk a little bit about the Bears and what they did. They only had five picks in this year's draft, and I actually thought that for – the picks that they had, that they did a pretty good job of getting what they needed. And the thing is, is that the Bears didn't really need a lot. And it's, it's interesting. So let me just run down the, the picks for you here. So with their picks, they got David Montgomery, the running back out of Iowa State. I think he's a really interesting back. And the thing is, is that I think that there were other backs who were just as good that the Bears might have been able to get if they stayed at 87, but it looks to me like Ryan Pace saw his guy and wanted his guy, so he got him. Very productive player at Iowa State, can catch the ball out of the backfield. Intriguing prospect to add to a backfield that needs another body. They need a, a someone who is going to be able to be a, a two-down back, or in certain situations, a three-down back where you have Tariq Cohen split out wide as a wide receiver, and you still have that look. You can show a different look and not be so predictable in what you're going to do because you can throw the ball to David Montgomery. He's not a home run hitter, which is one of the criticisms of Jordan Howard, but he is someone that can make plays and I think it's a nice play, but it's interesting because a running back went in the spot that the Bears traded out of. So they must have really, really wanted David Montgomery. Riley Ridley, wide receiver out of Georgia, was a 126 pick overall. I like him a lot, and I felt like he's one of those guys that when you were watching SEC football, he popped off the screen. He absolutely popped. I'm not sure if – I need to be careful the way I say this because I think he's an NFL player. I'm just curious on what type of – what type of, of NFL player he's going to be. He runs routes really well. He catches the ball well. Like, he's not a guy that, that had a lot of drops. He scores. Even though you look at his production last year – it was only 570 yards, but he had nine touchdowns. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way Georgia ran their offense. They had so many guys to get the ball to that. I think that Ridley's numbers suffered because of that, but I think he's an interesting player. Then they, they got the cornerback Duke Shelley from Kansas state. They probably need some depth at corner. I know they they brought in Buster Screen, but they probably need a little depth there. Smaller type dude, 5'9", 
180. And then in the seventh round, they got Kareth White running back out of Florida, who is someone who can return kicks as well. Then the kid Denmark out of Valdosta State. Now, look, you can't make a lot of money. Well, I guess you can. You can make a lot of money in sports talk taking guesses on guys. And if you're right, people will respect you for it. I think that they like this kid, and I think that it's one of those picks. Let me give you the measurables on him. 6'3", at corner. And he used to be a receiver. I think that's one of those guys that I don't suspect that he will make the roster this year for the Bears. And I think that the Bears are hoping to stash him on the the practice squad and get him the type of experience he needs to take that next step. And then they did some cool stuff when it comes to uh, free agency as well. So to break it all down, I wanted to invite someone that I haven't had on the show, but he and I have talked a lot on Twitter. We've actually met up in person as well. Robert Zeglinski, who writes for Windy City Gridiron, and he writes for the Rock River Times and the Blitz Network. I always liked his work online, and I wanted to see if if he and I could talk a little football. I wanted you to be able to hear him talk a little bit of football about the Bears and what they did in the draft. So that is today's podcast. We break down the picks. What did the Bears do well? What did the Bears do not so well? We're not giving out grades because that's probably silly, but we can give you some analysis. So here it is. I don't want a grade necessarily, but I'm curious what you thought of the Bears draft strategy. Um, I thought it went very well. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan of their process in getting David Montgomery. I know that that was probably one of their quote-unquote guys. Um, but to me, the process matters as much as the results. And when you give up any, any, like, any kind of assets for a guy that, to me, plays the, lead, the the most replaceable offensive position, you know, you're putting you're put you're making what will have to be an eventual rebuild, what will have to be an eventual retool that much more difficult. Um, aside from making the move for Montgomery itself, I mean Montgomery's a great player. The drafts their draft strategy overall, um, I think uh, they clearly feel very comfortable defensively. Um, they feel they clearly feel very comfortable that they can hide some of their last bit players like Buster Schrein. Uh, honestly, their undrafted free agents were probably better than some of than most of their picks. I mean, a guy like Emmanuel Hall uh, can probably start next year. Can probably start in two years. Could probably eventually be a replacement for any of the receivers they have now. Uh, but they approached it properly. I mean, they they, they certainly. And like I said, clearly feel very confident that they can hide the worst aspects of their defense with their stars. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't have made a move up for a running back. Otherwise, they wouldn't have. Uh, well, they wouldn't have drafted two running backs. So, uh, I think prudence would be the best word to describe it. Yeah, I, I want to go back though because I, I think that there's something to what you're saying about the the idea of process. 
And when it comes to Ryan Pace, it seems as if when he locks on on a particular player, it seems like nothing is going to get in his way of getting that player. And and that's just it's funny to me. And I like Montgomery a lot. I think he's a solid player. I just wonder, like I did a couple years ago with Trubisky, if there was a similar type player that would have been available without giving up assets. Well, there was. I mean, the Patriots, the Bears traded up with the Patriots, and the Patriots took a running back at number 87 overall, where the Bears would have been spotted. Damian Harris. Damian Harris would have also been great for the Bears. There were plenty of backs available well after the fact. The Bears, in my mind, didn't like, like the Trubisky trade a, a good bar. They didn't have to move up for Montgomery. The only reason that they probably did was because he was just one of their guys that fit so well. But like I said earlier, you know, it's a replaceable position. How Realistically, how much are you going to get out of Montgomery? Are, are, are you going to want to get a second contract out of him? You know, are, are you going to pay, are you going to pay him? If he, if, he, if he pans out how you plan him to, are you going to want to pay him the way he deserves in a few years? You know, there are other places that they could have addressed, like cornerback, like edge rusher, um, that they that, that they're still going to have to in the future. You know, the, the, the next two years are certainly very, very all in now for them, uh, and they made it more difficult on themselves. They made it more. I, I think pace. I think pace's aggressiveness when he moves up for guys he likes should be kind of commended. Most general managers, most general managers aren't going to do that. Most general managers, I think, will stand pat and and maybe maybe have a guy pass them by. But when you get too locked in on someone you just absolutely love and and, and lose sight of the overall process, like you 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 make you make your overall outlook it, 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 it looks a little more shaky. What do you think of? What type of impact Montgomery can have? How do you see it working in their their backfield with now at least three different guys that they're probably going to have running the ball? Well, Montgomery's certainly going to be the, the starter. I think we can safely say that. Um, but I think they have the ideal backfield now. They've, I mean, you have Montgomery, the workhorse, the the, the feature guy that can catch that can catch 50 passes if they give him the opportunity, that can rush for 1,000 yards. You have Tariq Cohen, who, I mean, we know what Tariq Cohen can do. He's, he's pretty great. And then Mike Davis, uh, people are going to forget about him because he's the third guy and a little understated. But they, they ha- what, what they have with their running backs now is uh, unpredictability. What, what, what they had with, with previously with Jordan Howard and Cohen and whoever and Benny Cunningham and Taekwon myself was uh, – a lack was a lack of versatility. Defenses could relatively, you know, telegram what the play was going to be based on who was in the game. If it was Howard, it was more than likely going to be a carry to him, or he was going to stay in the pass block. If it was Cohen was in the game, the ball's probably going to him, and he's their most explosive offensive weapon. Now, with each of the backs they have, with Montgomery, with Cohen, with Davis. He, if you're a defense, you actually have to work a little bit harder to defend what the Bears have offensively. Now. You can't just go, oh, okay, Cohen's in the game, this probably going to be a pass. Oh, okay, Montgomery's in the game, probably going to be a handoff. Like, you actually have to account for everything possible. And that's, that's kind of the modus operandi here. 
Riley Ridley is kind of interesting because to me, he seems like one of those players that in college looks incredible. You're like, wow, this is a guy that makes plays. And and I'm not sure if he necessarily translates to to the NFL. I'd love to know what you think about a Riley Ridley and the Bears getting him at 126. I think taking him in the fourth round there, um, he's certainly a little bit more of a developmental prospect. The best thing he does, which will serve him well in the league, is that he runs routes really well. But, you know, a lot of rec- a lot of receivers take time to develop. I wouldn't call Ridley a what, uh, you kind of just alluded to a blue chip guy, a guy that's that's going to make an impact for them right away. Um, they can kind of afford that, though. I think taking Ridley uh, more of a possession receiver, you can afford to maybe have him marinate on the sidelines for a year or two. You can. Have him learn, and then have him step, and then have him step in once. Once maybe you make a decision on an Allen Robinson. Once you make a decision on a Taylor Gabriel, uh, to take him in the fourth round means the Bears certainly think he's capable of doing so, of stepping in and being an eventual starter. They just have to be patient with him. I, I'm in fully agree. I'm in full agreement with you. Where I'm, I'm not entirely sold on what he brings to the table, but if you wait, there could be a little bit. He could flourish a little bit. I think the most interesting of the picks was the last one, the the, the Denmark kid out of Valdosta State. And I, I heard Ryan Pace talking about how he was going to keep his eye on him, particularly during rookie minicamp. And it makes sense. If if you have a 6'3", 6'4", a corner who used to be a receiver, he, what an interesting project. Like, that's the type of pick at – 238 and beyond when you get to the seventh round that's the type of pick that I love because you might strike gold this also might be a guy that you end up signing to your practice squad and he may have to develop but I I think it's one of those things where you're drafting someone by traits and I actually really like the idea of looking at this guy's traits and and the lack of uh, football that he's played at the highest level and go perhaps this can turn into something yeah, Denmark was 100% a Pagano pick. You know, Pagano is a guy with an extensive background developing corners, developing DBs, uh, and, and taking a guy that is a little bit freakish. I mean, he's six foot three, 212 pounds, and has a 43-inch vertical, and he plays cornerback. I mean, that you got to you got to find a place for that guy. You, you, you taking a guy like that in the seventh round means you think you can turn him into a player. I mean, I mean that's that's trusting in your that's trusting in your coaches in in, in what they're capable of and, and their reputations with, with developing guys. Um, I don't know how much how confident I would be in Denmark becoming much of anything, but to your point, I mean, take a project in the seventh round. You need defensive backs. Why not have him learn? Why not stay patient with him? I think that's the, that's the theme for most of this draft class. Stay patient with a guy like Denmark and. And, and maybe those tools come to, come to fruition. Maybe he learns how to play the game a little bit more at a high level. You know, he had that, he had that low level of competition and becomes an underrated star. I mean, you never know. I mean, we, we talk so much about this, this hardcore draft analysis for any of these picks. We don't really know what's going to happen with any of these guys. I mean, we, don't, we know the odds of seventh-round picks. We know the odds of sixth-round picks. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's a referendum on their entire career. Denmark has everything he needs to succeed in the succeed in the league, except for experience, except for you know having having actually experienced the competition in the league. So um, that's a perfect pick. That's a Pagano pick. Okay, I, I think that that's fair. One theme, if I can pick any outside of Ryan Pace, you know, trading up to get his guy that that I from this whole offseason and the draft included to me is they were not happy with their special teams overall and they want to try and add depth at special teams we can talk about the kickers in a minute but Kareth White for example has return experience and yes you went out and got Patterson who you're probably going to use in a couple of different ways offensively along with him being a return guy I I think that that Ryan Pace found some value uh, in in some of the what he didn't have on special teams last year. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Bears had one of the worst special teams groups in the league last year. Any, when, when you have that level of ineptitude, anything is possible. I mean, having a complete overhaul, getting new returners like Patterson, like Harris White Jr., who I think off the top of my head, I don't have a handy. It was like, what, 28, averaged over 28 yards of kick return in college? You know, getting a kicker, which you said we'll get to. Everything is possible. I mean, the Bears, if the Bears are painting themselves as a Super Bowl contender, if they're carrying themselves as a championship team, they have, they, I mean, they have to fix their biggest weakness. And outside, and outside of like, about the further development of their offense, that was their special team, and that, that was a clear mission for them. So what do you think of them adding a bunch of kickers into this competition to to see who's going to be their kicker and maybe maybe even going out and adding some more? Uh, I, I think Pace even alluded to it himself. It's the perfect strategy. This, this, I mean, this is something that previously in this, in this Bears era, they've kind of anointed guys right away. You know, they released, they released Robbie Gold and then just gave the job to Connor Barnes and then Gave the job to Mike Nugent, and then I think they, I think two years ago, where they cut Andy Phillips. Like they haven't really made whoever has been the kicker earn it. They haven't really um, gone through the weeds in my mind and found a guy that is legitimately worthy of the job. Having this all-out gauntlet. I mean, what they have four guys under contract now. We'll probably have even more after minicamp and kind of and letting them all battle it out. The best guy is going to come out of that. The best guy, you're really going to know who can be the answer, whether whether he actually turns out to be an upgrade over somebody like Cody Parkey remains to be seen. But that's that's the way you attack kickers. That, that's that's a much better strategy than kind of settling. Really, I mean that's what the, that's what they did. That's what they've done in the past, and they couldn't afford to do that any further, given how the rest of their roster built up. You mentioned. Uh, Pagano pick. I, I'm curious because we haven't talked about it, but what did you think of them hiring Chuck Pagano to take over for Vic Fangio? And what do you think Bears fans can expect from Pagano as the defensive coordinator? I I was one of the more, uh, to put it lightly, vocal critics of, of Fangio during his tenure. And that's not to say that uh, he didn't do a great job. I mean, obviously he did. The Bears had a top-10 defense the last year. They had the best defense in the league last year. But I thought under Fangio at times, 
they would tend to get a little bit conservative or they would be playing on, on their heels late in games. Uh, you know, they'd be a little bit more basic than you'd like. With Pagano in the fold, uh, that's, a new, that's, that, that's a new change of senior. That's a guy that previously, I mean, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator, just solo defensive coordinator since 2011. But that's a guy that's going to be a little more aggressive, that is, isn't going like, to reinvent the wheel with any of their stars like Mack and Hicks, but he's... I mean, he's going to have them in a better position to close out games. There'll be a more there, – there will be, in my mind, more of a killer instinct. I think a lot of the biggest criticism in particular for me with Fangio was dropping guys like Khalil Mack back into coverage or dropping guys like Leonard Floyd back into coverage. That's not really going to happen with Pagano. If he's mixing up coverages, if he's mixing up lists, it'll be with someone on the back end. It'll be a little more – uh, it'll be a little bit more nuanced and hitting as to as to what the offense wants to do to attack the Bears defense. I love the move personally, and I think they actually have they actually have the possibility of having while maybe dropping off statistically of actually being a better defense for a chance for a potential championship team. Now I, I get considering where we're at with this Bears team, it's not like they needed a ton, and they only had five picks plus all the free agents. What are you most interested in finding out between now and when they report to Bourbon A? I want to see what happens out of this receiving group. I mean, because right now, they, to me, have one of the deepest groups in the league. I mean, for, you know, you have the obvious names like Robinson and Gabriel uh, and, and, and Miller, but after that, you've got Javon Wims. Was a seventh round pick, a nice seventh round pick from last year, but still has to obviously earn a spot. You have Ridley, you have uh, Emmanuel Hall, who I mentioned at the top, who was they got the UDFA, which is a fantastic get. You have a lot of guys in a very uh, in a very thick competition. Uh, I want to see. Oh, and we call Ralph Addison, of course, too. So you have a lot of weapons that need to earn their roles, and for that matter, that, that makes the Bears defense far more diverse. I think you're not going to see it completely shake out over the next few months until camp, but uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see the foundation being laid, laid down. Why should people be excited about the Bears getting Emmanuel Hall as a priority free agent? Emmanuel Hall, uh, the only reason Emmanuel Hall fell – was because he has un- he, he's a third or fourth round talent, but he has undrafted free agent hamstring, uh, to, to put it lightly. So he had he <laughs> had some injury issues. Yeah, he had some injury issues uh, in college, but he's a fantastic playmaker. Uh, he's he's a guy that excels anytime anytime uh, Missouri played against played against higher level competition. He he always found a way to make plays. This is a guy. Um, this is a guy that was fitting seamlessly. I, I think, honestly, he's the most likely Taylor Gabriel, Taylor Gabriel replacement if they're really moving forward with that future. I think Emmanuel, I think Emmanuel Hall has, uh, as long as he can stay healthy, which is obviously a big if, uh, should have a bright future with the pitch. All right. So, how can people find your work if they want to hear more or read more from you? You can find me at the Rock River Times. Windy City Gridiron, and then for anything far more in-depth at the Blitz Network, Lawrence.
What about your Twitter? Oh, oh, and then uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Robert Bukowski. I'm sorry, I was I was listing off the. I was listening up the publications. No, but I mean, you, you can put you can put yourself over too. Like you can put the publications over and yourself. That's the whole point. Okay, okay. Follow me on Twitter at Roberts with Lynch. There you go. And then read my work at the Rock River Times, Wayne City Gridiron, and the Blitz Network. Are you gonna make it to Hallis Hall, or are you waiting to Bourbon A to get get a good look at the boys? Uh, I think I'll be there uh, at some point over the next few weeks. Uh, well, I'll be there in Bourbon A too, obviously. So I'll, I'll be there at some point to get a, to get a nice uh, look at this very, very hyped up team. All right. Well, cool, man. Thanks for doing this. This was outstanding. Of course. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. That's Robert Zeglinski. I always, I, I want to make sure I say his name right because me and him had a discussion about how to say it and. I think I got it right. I think I said it like he said it because that's kind of the goal. And I also wanted to experiment because this is a Loho Daily that is being published on a Sunday versus me waiting until Monday to throw it at you. Plus, there's going to be all sorts of draft stuff on the show on Monday. So I wanted to, since it was still fresh in people's mind, throw it out there, give you something to listen to if you are of the podcast uh, variety and enjoy it. So there you go. That's what I think. That's what Robert thinks. And there'll be more discussion on the Bears draft and their free agents, as Robert, I think, correctly pointed out, coming up on the score. So thanks for listening to Loho Daily. We'll have another pod for you. Maybe I'll do the Avengers pod, the spoiler-filled Avengers pod next. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.